welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and my co-host is Conway. Double shifted uh, this week. I can't wait. Mercury is no longer in Gatorade, and this is episode lucky number 13. Um, obviously, we are super soaked for this recording. There's um, U.S. Women's National Team roster is coming out tomorrow. LA Galaxy, although a loss, uh, we won in the stands. And... Of course, uh, Galaxy play Vancouver tomorrow, so this is a jam-packed week because then they also travel to San Jose. Yeah, yeah this, I mean, th- this is the first of those those kind of those those MLS special weeks, right? Where it's where it's two games that kind of are, are very different games, but both you know games that I think the Galaxy should feel confident enough in getting some results out of. I think you know you know both teams are teams that I, th- I think the Galaxy are comfortably better than, and you know that coming off a loss against. MLS's best team right now. You know, I think this could be a really, you know, kind of, hey, let's get the momentum back kind of week for the Galaxy. Yes. And, uh, of course, before we get into that, the the U.S. women, um, you know, obviously Carly Lloyd is looking at almost 39 years old, ready to, to still be part of uh, the roster in Tokyo. I love that age is just a number um, and that it's a real possibility for her, um, sisters Sam and Christy Mewis are, are on the the lookout as well to, to go together. Um, I mean, you know, there's only 18 that can go, um, which must be such a, a difficult pick for Endonovsky. But, um, I mean, do you think it's pretty clear who's making the cut, though, like in terms of keepers, defenders, I think midfielders, I would say I think forwards? The- I would say the goalkeeper in defense, I think, is pretty settled. I think those positions have always kind of been where Vladko has has not really rotated as much as as other positions. I think he knows that you know Nair is going to be starting a goal. He'll probably bring uh, Sheridan out of uh, Gotham FC um, to excuse me, uh, Sheridan out of um, uh, uh, Kansas City FC to uh, to be the backup. You know, obviously, you know Sauerbrunn's going as captain of this, of this team. Tierna Davidson will be on that roster. Obviously, probably the best women's player in the past year, Crystal Dunn, um, will be there. Um, so, you know, I think goalkeeper and defense are settled. I'd say midfield is mostly settled. I'd say Sam Mewis is definitely on that roster. I'd say, you know, Julie Ertz, you know, regardless of health concerns right now, is on that roster. Um, the rumor is that she's going to be ready for that first game. Um, I would assume if that is the case, then she is going. Um, I would, you know, I, I think for the most part, that's figured out. I'd say the forward line is probably where we're going to see the most controversy. Um, you know, I think there's there's questions there in a way that I don't think there's questions in any other position for the U.S. Women's National Team. I think you talk about Carly Lloyd and and and, and the fact that you know can she do a full ninety? Well, then that becomes a question of do you bring a luxury player on an eighteen person roster? I don't know if you do necessarily. Um, you talk about you know Lynn Williams, who has been a favorite of Lakowanovski's throughout his tenure. You know, does she make the roster? Uh, I think there's there's room to talk about people like Katarina Macario and Mallory Pugh. You know. Is it their time? Is is it finally the time that they they take the next step forward and and replace some some of the great veterans? Um, you know what what is Tobin Heath's health status? You know what is Megan Rapinoe's kind of health status and 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 drive to to do this? Considering you know the the amount of injuries she's accumulated through her career and and kind of uh, you know whatever have you. You know obviously Alex Morgan and Kristen Press are probably an ink on that roster. Uh, you know considering you know Alex Morgan scored something like eight goals already in the first you know eight games of the season for, for Orlando. Um, Kristen Press has been involved in, I believe it was something like 32 out of the last 36 goals the United States women's national team has scored. 
you kind of have to take her. Um, so yeah. I think there, there are some questions, but, I, but you know, honestly, gun to my head, I'd say I can confidently say 14 out of the 18 spots are in ink, Sharpie, whatever permanent marker you have. I think those spots are taken. I'd say the last four slots, there's a little bit of debate in terms of does Vlatko go younger? Does Vlatko, you know, take some players that are on form right now, which is, which is, I think is, is the core of a tournament roster is that you usually take one or two players that for whatever reason are just killing it with their club teams at that point in time, you know, because form is, you know, you want reliability, you want people that you've called on for the past year and a half, but sometimes it just helps to have a person that's just, you know, on fire off the bench or in the starting lineup. Um, I think, Maybe he goes that way, you know, maybe a Midge Purse finds herself into the roster. Maybe, you know, uh, as you said, a Christy Mewis finds herself into the roster just simply because they're on such good form right now for their clubs that, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have that kind of that energy, that fire um, when someone's playing that well. So and, and, and you want to reward that you want to establish kind of a, a precedent that if you are playing very well for your club, then that will get rewarded. Um, so I, I think I'd say 14 names are in ink locked. I think they're names that you're very familiar with. I would say Carly scoring against, um, against Jamaica and you know, kind of the performances she put in through that three game series with, um, Portugal, Jamaica and Nigeria. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I think Carly put herself very much in the conversation again. And, you know, I, I don't think if you had asked me before that three game series, the big name that I thought was not going to go was Carly Lloyd. I think she's now on that roster and I'm wondering who doesn't make that roster. And so um, I, I, I think, you know, we kind of know what it's going to be, but there's there is room for like one or two surprises. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, it's all about. <laughs> you know, this is the deepest team, right? So, so it, it's, it is hard to, to call and, and to say, I look forward to seeing, um, you know, I, I just feel like a bit of pain for, let's say, Christy Mewis, um, if she does get lost, uh, left off the, the roster, you know? Um, but again, I, I don't think it's like any kind of, like nobody's trying hard enough or, or like nobody's talented enough or someone's too young. I think it's, I think it's just, there's so much talent and, you know, they want to keep this momentum going. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate that like Tobin Heath is out cause like she's injured, you know, um, you know, there are, there are definite players that will, will miss well, regardless. Mentioning Tobin Heath and, and to a, a lesser extent, Julie Ertz, just simply because of we we, mm-hmm. we have a little bit of a clearer picture about Julie Ertz's injury recovery than Tobin Heath's. There are again, there are some questions around some very critical parts of this team in terms of will they pass fit by that first game? And 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 Tobin Heath is one of them. Where you know we've heard that she might be healthy for that first game, but you know injuries are not you know by this date you will be healthy kind of thing, right? You know, like they take time. You know, they they're you know the body is a weird thing, so you know. Vlatko could be taking a pretty significant risk here by naming an 18-person roster where, say, Julie Ertz mm-hmm. and Tobin Heath are on there. Well, what happens if both of their injuries don't heal like they're expected to, right? Like, what happens then? And then this all becomes very different. No, I think, you know, I think if Tobin can't go, it's not that big of a deal just simply because, you know, they have enough players to roughly approximate what she does. You know, obviously, you know, 
in a perfect world, everything's sunshine and rainbows. Tobin Heath starts every game for the U.S. Women's National Team, right? Like, I mean, that's just, her name is one of those in the 11 that is always in ink. She always goes. But if she can't go, then you have kind of enough players that, you know, between, you know, Roosevelt's ball control and Kristen Press's, you know, technical ability, you can kind of approximate what Tobin Heath brings. I don't know if that's the case for Julie Ertz. And they brought in Lindsay Horan to kind of do the Julie Ertz role in the number six. And it looked good, but it didn't look, you know, exactly like what Julie Ertz can bring. So what I would say is, you know, in terms of the two big injury questions going to this thing, which is, which is you know, going to these Olympics, which is Julie Ertz and, and Tobin Heath. If Tobin Heath can't go, it's a bummer. And I, you know, and as someone who loves Tobin Heath, who, you know, in the top three women's players of all time, she's probably in there for me. But if she can't go, it's not the end of the world. If Julie Ertz can't go, I start having serious questions about this team in major tournament games where the pressure's on. And so that that's kind of the big, you know, if I had to sound alarm bells, if I had to be quote unquote negative about this U.S. Women's National Team, that's where I'm, I'm kind of going. Where it's like that defensive midfield position, if that doesn't tick over the way that it's been ticking over with Julie Ertz, you saw it in the game against Portugal. They really struggle to break teams down. It's not necessarily a question of defensive work rate. It's a question of the fact that Julie Ertz is, to, to, to steal a Galaxy kind of reference, I mean, Julie Ertz is the Jonathan Dos Santos of that team in terms of she's incredibly brilliant defensively, but what she offers offensively in terms of being the regista, being the timekeeper, being the, the one that sets the tempo for the team is so invaluable, and no one has really stepped into that role. Like, Lindsay Horan's a destroyer. Like, I mean, she's fantastic defensively. She's not necessarily great at setting tempo, and that's going to be a concern because Vlako and Anofsky's teams really rely on, on tempo, on you know, knowing when to move the ball quickly and knowing when to move the ball slowly. I, I, if Julius can't go, there, that, is a, that is a problem for a women's national team that has a very difficult group to get out of. Yeah, this is Anofsky's uh, major tournament debut, and this is a difficult task. Uh, for him to choose this roster, so I really am interested to see, you know, his choices. And obviously, once they hit the pitch, um, I, I mean, there's no doubt that the U.S. women are are major contenders. But like you're saying, it's it's. I mean, I get the hint that you're saying it's it's not a sure thing, you know. Um, some some of these players have to step up and in, in to their roles, and you know, you you look at the roster, say of the veterans, right? Um, um, Alex Morgan, uh, Rapineau, like this. And so, you know, you want to give these, these young girls a chance, but at the same time, you know, you, you want to see this team succeed in the way that you know that they can in a way that I guess is familiar. So, it, you know, it might be a little bit of a, well, depending on, on who he has to pick for, like you said, for health reasons and whatnot. Um, it, you know, it might, it might be a little bit uncomfortable for us uh, U.S. women team to, to watch this team um, in, in the Olympics. But I, I have all the faith in them and in Andonovsky and, and obviously the players that he, that he chooses. Yeah, I, this is the problem about the Olympics and why the Olympics are so hard, right, is the 18-person roster. It's not, you know, I think for health, as we've been discussing about health reasons and, and some concerns, you know, you can bring a player to a tournament knowing they're not going to be healthy in the first game to like a World Cup or a 23-person roster tournament, right? Like you can kind of get away with that. But in an 18-person roster, everyone has to be effective from minute one. Mm -hmm. And so like 
you know, it, it's a question of, of, you know, obviously there's, there's consultation with medical staffs and, and, you know, obviously all those conversations are happening that, you know, we don't necessarily see, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like a, you know, Hey, we think we can get this done, but, you know, obviously injuries are injuries. You know, I, we've all injured something and, you know, expected to be back, you know, the next you know week and it never happened. Um, so I, that's going to be an interesting gamble to see how confident Flacco is in terms of gambling with, you know, kind of, hey, I believe Juilliard's, I believe Tillman Haith are going to be ready to go in that first game um, in Tokyo. Uh, you know, I, that is going to be a very interesting conversation. And, and I think also, you know, it, you know, he was brought in to, to make this team younger. Well, this is your best chance so far to make this team younger. You know, does a Katarina Macario go? Does a Sophia Smith go? You know, this is going to be interesting to see who, who doesn't go versus who goes, right? Like, I think that's, you know, if anything, the, the, the Olympic result is almost secondary at this point to Vladko's roster decisioning because it's like, oh, this is where we're headed in the next, you know, four years, five years, six years down the line versus, you know, where we're headed right now, kind of, if that makes sense. Like, it's going to be like it's going to be very interesting to see what Vladko is kind of thinking and shaping as he starts to move the program forward under his watch. Yeah, uh, focus on you know the present performance and the future potential, and not necessarily career success. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But oh, uh huh. I I mean that's why I like I'm I'm interested to see if if you know regardless of Carlo's recent you know performances, does she go? You know, does does Vladko you know run it back one more time, you know, I obviously, 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 obviously gold medal is the gold. That's always, you know, the U S women's national team has it much more than anyone else in terms of soccer, which is both men's and women's, which is that every single time they walk out of the field, I don't think any other team in the world has an expectation of victory quite like the U S women's national team does. Like, I just don't think that's anyone else has that, but managing that while also trying to get younger, trying to try new things, trying to tactically change things. That's a very delicate tightrope to walk. And Vladko has done it very well so far. This is the biggest test he's had as a coach in his career of, of making sure he can run both those things. Yeah, there you have it. So uh, I am eager to talk about the LA Galaxy game, as I'm sure you are. Um, it was the first full-capacity match, Christian, you've been able to attend um, – matches under under restrictions and and traveling um this was my first game back in 470 days was it something like that <laughs> something like that um yeah and and obviously just uh pulling into the parking lot uh you know the first change for me was i can't park in lot 13 i have to go sit in the <laughs> lot 11 i was like all right um, yeah, because they have like what are what gold passes. I don't Something know. Like that. Yeah, and um, yeah, but just being able to walk through, hearing you know live music, um, being able to see everybody again, um, and of course the Murs performance, like to be front row at a concert. I mean, it was it was a little overwhelming. I mean, there were times where I put my mask on when I was like, I don't know any of these people, or I'm going to the restroom. Um, but for the most part, I, I did feel safe. I did feel comfortable. I think it's because it, it's outdoors. Um, you know, it wasn't exactly a sellout crowd. I think it was um, a little over 2,500, um, you know, not sold out. But, I mean, that, that stadium, the tailgate was packed. 
the stadium was was packed. I was fortunate enough to stand with Christian in uh, V Block and be able to cheer the galaxy on, just like the days of yore. Like <laughs> you know, it was. Uh, really really exciting and i was fortunate enough to be able to also focus on the gameplay you know we were, we were trying to figure out what what the tactics were the entire game yeah you, you mentioned like it felt like it kind of felt like riding a bike again if that makes sense like it did just feel like this is how it's supposed to be um obviously you know the merch performance was fantastic All, i mean everyone that performed that day just it, everyone was on on their best kind of energy, I guess, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And I, I think, you know, it, it almost the result didn't matter. Like it just felt everything was so good. Like, you know, in the, in the parking lots and whatever, just talking to people. And, and, you know, I mentioned this when I, when I talked about going to the home opener, which was that it just felt like, you know, a lot of friends that hadn't seen each other in a long time, just picking where they, picking up where they left off. And it felt like that even, you know, even more, um, on, on Saturday. And, you know, it was, it was definitely an occasion and I mean, it was just, it was so good, right? Like, I mean, it just, like if, if that didn't fill your soul at some level, then, you know, I, you might need to start seeing a therapist cause you might have, you might need, you might have to resolve some issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, like I really like that you said that it was like friends picking up where they left off. Um, sometimes this is the only opportunity I get to see certain people. Um, so to, to be there. And then of course, um, I, I decided like, you know, everybody was essentially in their own bubbles, right? I mean, that's kind of how it gets, um, when people are, are celebrating, right? They, they choose their spot in the parking lot or they go to Lars or they go to ACB and everybody hangs out in one place. So, you know, um, Ellie is our house and I collaborated, uh, for this first issue of the magazine and I, was like, you know what, Madame Serrano, we were very lucky, uh, came to us. But I was like, you know what, people have been drinking, people are, are enjoying the people that they haven't seen in so long. I was like, I'm a social butterfly as it is. Let me, let me take these issues and let me go visit everybody, just like I used to do, but this time with magazines. Um, I, I wanted to, I knew who I was looking for. You know what I mean? Um, I knew I was looking for Leslie and Jamie and her group. Uh, First of Five wasn't there yet, otherwise I would have looked for them for Alex and his cousin. Um, I, I knew that, um, Chewy would be around somewhere, you know what I mean? And as I'm walking, I just said hello to everybody just like I always would. And I let the magazine essentially, um, sell itself because we'd been advertising it on Twitter and thankfully our community is really connected in that way. So people would just come up to me and, and if there wasn't about the magazine, it was like, Hey, you're Michelle of Simply Soccer, right? And I'm, yeah, you know, and it's, Oh my God, it's so good to see you again. Here's a sticker. Um, and then of course they were like, Oh, is this the magazine? And they like, luckily like recognized it. So, um, it was just so good to, to even meet new people in that way. You know, there wasn't a pressure to sell. I wanted them to look at it. I wanted them to tell their friends about it. Um, and I wanted them to enjoy it, you know. Um, it was just so, I mean, the Galaxy community is already so welcoming and, you know, there's room for everybody. I mean, you have one, two threads at the end of Lot 13. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. But, you know, to be there and have people come up and, and offer me a, a cookie that says Amor Eterno, I mean, I can't, I can't. It was an additional experience, like it, like the magazine being able to to communicate with the fans was on top of already this 
wonderful experience of being able to go around it and greet everybody and um yeah i i really it, it made the experience like that much more celebratory i think you make uh, in the interview that you know we did for uh the the the, the magazine um the uh when, when i when i talked about uh, the galaxy community online kind of rallying to mm-hmm. this moment that you know demanded the most out of it right like that's that's definitely something i I've, I've i've focused on which was that you know what really got galaxy fans through the worst year of of a lot of our lives you know was the fact that you know we could go on twitter and just talk and to mm-hmm. see that you know to see that and and you saw a kind of, of threads of that at, in limited capacity games obviously but you know the nature of limited capacity games is not everyone can can be there and i i can't remember who i was talking to it might have been bobby but it was it might have been you it might have been bobby i can't remember who but i said you know if you had told me that i could walk through the parking lots and go see one two threads go see you know the first to five go see you know us go see you know galaxians angel super bright spot whatever have you and it would all be in this kind of, you know, space where it's, you know, it, 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 it felt like that online community finally had a tangible reality, if that makes sense. Like, it finally felt like all the conversations, everything that everyone's been doing on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, on their own shops, everything mm-hmm. came to actual life. Like, oh, wow, there are people behind the keyboard. And that was so cool to me. Like, that was just the best part about all of it was that everything was tangible, everything, you know, like, and everyone was just, you know, it, it did feel like everyone was just so excited to see each other in a way that, like, I almost felt like a kid on Christmas or, like, your first trip to Disneyland or something like that where you just can't believe it's real. And, like, that was what was so cool about the energy in the parking lot. Like, honestly, I think you could have just had that parking lot thing. Game could have never happened and everyone would have gone home happy. You know, like, that's... Like a second part of the pop-up. Yeah, like, but so much bigger and so much more, you know, like, it was, you know, the music playing and and you know, everything, it was just, it was, um, it was homecoming in a way that I think, you know, it, it was, what it, what it was, was it was like, it was cool to see communities that have been built through online communication over a pandemic now become tangible and real. And that was what was so great about everything that went, went on. And of course, you know, hanging out with you guys in, in lot 11, miserably long walk to and from the car, but whatever. Oh, have no, you. Right. Um, <laughs> Next time I'm lying about having a gold pass and parking a lot 13 anyway. Um, but it was just, it was, it was really cool to experience that. And it was really cool to be around that energy. And I think, you know, I, I think we're entering, I, I said it in the piece that you wrote, but I, 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 I said, you know, like, I think we're entering a seconding awakening of Galaxy fans. Like, I think, you know, everyone kind of gets it now. And so I think, you know, we're entering something that's going to be very good for years to come. Yeah, and I mean it's not it is obviously one thing to to sell something online and then another to just have a, a physical copy to to look at that not as only tangible like you're saying, but I think it is also that interaction that everybody's hungry for. I think you made a really good point that you know, this community was built online and when you're there in person um cuz we kept saying like this felt like a dream, you know? Um but but I don't think that there's anything that can be beat to being there physically. You know, I think um, there's a, what's the word? Um, I guess I'm just going to use exhausting. You know, there's something exhausting about, about always being online. And, you know, 
just the excitement of being able to be like, hey, I know you, and, and like call them by their Twitter handle, you know? <laughs> um, it was always like that, but 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 in this way, after after the pandemic, I mean, it something that we don't take for granted, and it was definitely something that we look forward to, is like finally, after long last, um, we we could see each other in person. Yeah, it was, it was it, you know, to everyone that was, was providing, you know, their wares, which sounds so the markety, but it, you know, like, I mean, everyone that was, you know, out there, you know, just, just selling their stuff. Like it was so cool to see, like, and what was cool that it was, you know, it's, you know, everyone wanted to support one another. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've talked a lot about this with, with a couple of, of, of friends and, and, you know, a lot of them kind of sound the alarm of like, Hey, aren't you worried that everyone's going to try and cannibalize one another, that everyone's going to try to work and get one over one another kind of thing. And I'm like, no, because everyone supports one another in this in this ecosystem in a way that I've, I, I, I rarely see. And that's what makes this so special is that, you know, everyone is shouting each other out. Everyone is, you know, posting each other's successes like that is good. This is a good community to be around right now. And it's it's it feels really good. And everyone has something to offer. You know, everything is different. Um, you want to collect all the stickers. You're like a kid collecting pogs or Pokemon cards, you know? Uh, I think it is our generation of that as well. Um, so it's, it's. I mean, so then like you said, <laughs> the Galaxy end up losing. But look, I think that we played the Seattle Sounders, who are the number one team in the West are the reason why you don't complain so much. And also the Galaxy did not look bad. Um, you know, I know the results, uh, the giveaways, the, you know, especially on set pieces, I understand how frustrating that is. Um, and you kind of feel like Vanny choked, at least I do too. Um, you know, you, you know, but there's still this hope, there's still this faith moving on to other games. You're like, all right, um, we're going to learn from this game and then we're going to move forward. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I cast myself on this podcast as the eternal negativist, but I'm actually going to be a bit of an optimist about this performance. Um, I don't think Vanny choked this game. I legitimately don't. I think actually, you know, you, you, when you play Seattle. Well, the reason I said that is because the, the lineup was questionable. When you, and obviously Jonathan Dosanos is injured and you're like, okay, what is happening? What are we going to do? Efrain Alvarez, what's he going to do there? You know? Honestly, I think this game kind of explained why maybe we don't need Jonathan Dos Santos in this team. Um, you know, I think when you play Seattle, you have to make a conscious decision that you understand Seattle is going to kill you in at least one way, right? Seattle just has so many options, so many ways to hurt you. They can either use possession, they can either kill you on the counterattack, set pieces, whatever have you. You have to go into every game against Seattle with a conscious idea of we're going to close off X amount of ways to kill Seattle, but we understand that they have this in the back pocket. Like they have this club in the bag. The Galaxy decided that they were just going to hold possession and kind of, you know, obviously not a exact match, but kind of Barcelona it. I mean, 60, 40% possession. And I know I've long said possession is a meaningless stat, but I think in this game it actually does mean something. They decided they wanted to hold the ball. And remember, keep in mind for the first eight games of this season, the Galaxy have not enjoyed being on possession. They much prefer playing on the counterattack. But they decided to basically say, hey, look, you know, we have a defense where we're slotting in a new center back in Koulibaly, who I thought was pretty good on the day. You know, Steris goes out injured in the eighth minute. Well, if you don't have the ball, you can't hurt us. And it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, like, you talk about Sasha Kleshin, you talk about Victor Vasquez, Efren Alvarez, they're all really, Sebastian Lejet, 
they're all really good with the ball at their feet. You know, I understand the complaint about Legette, and I understand the complaint about Sasha, and I understand the complaint about Efrain, which is that they're not necessarily line-breaking center midfielders that are going to play that pass that breaks the line that gets someone in. But if your whole entire thought is, hey, we need to hold the ball in order for you to not have it, and therefore that's how we're going to play defense, then there's no one else I want on the ball rather than Sebastian Legette and Efren Alvarez and Victor Vasquez because they're just so careful with the ball. And Sasha Kledgen as well. You know, they're so careful with the ball and the way that they move the ball that, you know, it did look at times like Seattle was just frustrated the fact that they couldn't get on possession, that they couldn't, you know, use what they've been doing so well, which is that, you know, turning moments of transition, having Brad Smith bombing up the wing and then having, you know, Christian Roldan or Alex Roldan just float into the half spaces and just creating chaos and spraying the ball crazy through there. They did look a little frustrated at times about that. And, and yes, Seattle had their chances. I mean, they're the best team in MLS. Let's, you know, put that to bed right now. We're not close. Um, but I thought the Galaxy handled themselves very well in a way that, like, you know, you talk about Chicharito off the post in the 43rd minute. Like, there were chances there where, I mean, maybe this game should have been a 2-2 draw or maybe the Galaxy could have even nipped this 1-3-2. You know, like, I mean, there was mm-hmm. there was moments where I was kind of sitting there being like, oh, I kind of get this now. And, like, you know, I... I don't know necessarily if this is going to be the long-term tactical plan going forward. I think if anything, it's very risky because I just don't think they have good enough ball playing center backs outside of Steres to, to control a system of possession, but this didn't look bad. Yeah. But, um, you know, why I was saying why I thought Benny had choked a bit was because the, the substitutions were made late. Um, he didn't use all of his substitutions. I mean, obviously Steres got injured. You have to do that. Um, it was smart for Dunbar to come in um, for Viafania. It was interesting to see him for the first time in the le- left-back position. Um, and then Zubek had also come in, you know, but then you kind of realize that they're playing three in the back and that they're trying to, to move the ball forward. Um, like you had said, they they basically been, been having the possession and playing keep away um, as a defensive mode. However, because of the way the sounders are and the way that they play, that that to me, didn't quite work. Um, you know, Koulibaly, um, I mean, look, the Galaxy had lots and lots of chances at the end there. I'm talking about, like, throughout the match, um, you know, as as the Galaxy played the Sounders, um, it it was really hard to, to break down. Um, well, yeah, to break them down. And like I had said in the, in the last pod real briefly was, you know, that the Galaxy needed to mark uh, the Sounders, because in okay in that set piece, that first goal, um, Yamar is able to get that header in off a corner kick. I mean, that's you know your soccer one one, and that's what was frustrating. Um, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. on the first goal, I mean that's a that's a smart on the first goal they concede. That's a decently smart run from Yamar Gonzalez, and like it did look like, you know, the center backs just kind of momentarily shut off. I'm okay with conceding that goal. Like it, it indicated to me, you know. If it had been something where it's out of open play and systemically, you know, someone overcommits or there's something that looks systemically unbalanced, then I'm maybe a little bit more negative. But like Yimmer has scored that header how many times in his MLS career? He's done it always. Like mm. that's just one momentary lapse of concentration. Like I'm like the under Shaloto, the problems that gave up goals were systemic issues that he never had an answer for giving up a goal in a set piece is just a moment of hey that's fixable and that's why everything feels better under the vanny tenure that's why we're talking about this loss you know 
I think if this loss had come to Shiloto, we're doom and glooming it. We're now talking about like, hey, like there were moments in this match where things were good. Like you can kind of go back on that film and be like, hey, just next time you're in a set piece, be a little bit more aware that, you know, a six, four, you know, quarter or a linebacker of a center back, if he's unmarked, that's a problem. Um, you know, like that's, yeah. that's fixable, you know, like these are fixable issues that I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, like, okay. Yeah. You know, they give up an easy set piece goal and on the second goal. I mean, it's just the defense shut, shuts off for 30 seconds, but you know, we were talking about defenses yeah. shutting off for 45 minutes, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not mad about this. Sure. For the, for the, for this team, the galaxy were consistently putting pressure on, and that was something that you didn't see in the last few years, um, you know, w with this team. So so definitely pressure was on. Galaxy got dangerous. Um, it's unfortunate that Chicharito's ball was hit off the post, um, you know, but I'm not mad about that. I'm not mad that Sasha Kleshton took the penalty kick. Um, I think if you guys don't know, and I can't remember what the conversion rate of Chicharito's PKs are, but it is low, um, you know, to be able to, to go ahead and hand that over, um, you know, and, and, uh, the Sounders keeper Cleveland was way off the mark. So, you know, that I'm so glad that, that, that PK was converted. Did, um, yeah, so go ahead. Did you watch, I, I'm assuming you've watched the highlights back. Yeah. I rewatched this game and I felt like I wanted to watch it again, to be honest with you. <laughs> did you think the first one was a penalty? Did you think that was a penalty? Like in the box, looking back, oh my I mean, God. <laughs> obviously when we, when we saw it in person, we obviously were pleased that it was called, but I'm looking back and I'm like, Chicharito went down a little easy on that one. <laughs> it was a penalty for me. It was a freaking penalty. And then the second, you know, there was another one later that the, that the ref was like, no play on. And that was the frustrating thing. And this is MLS. Like, the uh, the the ref calls were very very frustrating and they're always like the Sounders get every foul and they get to go ahead and reset and they get their you know they get their goal kicks and their throw-ins and their free kicks and I'm like in the Galaxy are just getting like trampled on like they always you know it's a very physical game whenever they play the Sounders you know and that's why yeah I wish that this had been like a three-two uh, win for the Galaxy you know but at the same time I could see this being a draw again Sounders are the best team. And MLS, um, even though they're missing Fry, even though uh, they're missing Ladero, like there's still a, a major threat. I mean, Rui Diaz getting that second goal was no surprise to me. Um, it, you know, it, it was going to go in. I mean, Jonathan Bond being able to make five saves in this game, and then you know, there's a rebound, and like you said, there's nothing anybody can do in the in that in that second off the rebound. Rui Diaz is going to score something like that. Yeah, you put Rui Diaz five feet in front of goal, he's that, that ball is usually going in the back of the net, right? Like that's just who he is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just a, a quick note or a, a quick statement about the penalties. I'd say, you know, that penalty in the 20th minute gets called, then the penalty shot that you were referencing has to be a penalty. Like it just has to be then. Mm -hmm. um, but again, as you said, as MLS refereeing is, you know, just throw a bunch of dice in the air and see what happens. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think, it's interesting that Chicha was not on penalties in that one. I think that is that was a very conscious decision. And I mean, sure. obviously, Sasha's experience and 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 kind of elder statesman role in this team. I mean, he's the, I guess the the, the pop pop figure of this team. You know, like the grandfather figure, if you will. Um, you know, 
I mean, you know, it, it, it just, Chicharito is one of those guys that I think it's about a game of numbers for him. You know, like a guy like Rui Diaz, you know, one chance, one goal. That's always going to be Rui Diaz's game. Chicharito was never that. It's about high percentage opportunities for Chicharito where it's like you feed him in a hundred times and he'll score, you know, 80 of those chances. You know, that's my, that's my kind of my, my criticism of him, but also why I understand the way that the galaxy play, which is that, you know, he's obviously not going to be the guy that he gets like a half chance and finishes it. It's just, you know, he, you need to feed him consistently through a game in order for him to find that one moment of, of brilliance. And, you know, we, I've, I've been a huge defender of him, you know, in terms of, I think he makes very smart runs. I think when he plays off someone, he's a brilliantly good attacker. You know, I think in this game, you know, him and Cabral were kind of figuring it out, if that makes sense. Like, you know, it definitely, you know, they, you know, one didn't know when to zig when the other zagged and, and whatever have you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I like that combination up top. I think Cabral looked pretty, uh, you know, pretty aggressive in this game. And, and I, I really like, you know, my thought is once Cabral scores his first, they're just going to come in bunches. Um, well, I mean, that's the thing about Cabral, though. In this match, I felt like before this, he had all the gusto, all the, uh, like, he took all the chances to try to score, but this game, I don't know. I don't know, like you said, if he was still trying to figure it out. I mean, initially he wasn't more involved, and then and then obviously once he, he did in the second half, then, then you could see, like, the goals trying to come, you yeah, know? But mm-hmm. it, I think his role was not necessarily getting, you know, in front of goal. I think his role was provider, not necessarily finisher. Like, his role was to occupy defenders in order for Chicharito to do what Chicharito does best, which is just you know, very smart runs off the shoulder of defenders when they're not looking, um, which, you know, that's fine. Um, sure, sure, sure. But I could also see, like, because you could see the Galaxy community on, on Twitter being frustrated with, with Cabral. And, um, you know, but again, I I think give him a chance. He'll he'll get there. They'll figure it out. Um, even and, and even if he's selfless and go ahead and, you know, gives it to, to Chichirito, why not, you know? Um yeah, speaking of though, I did have to say that there were times where the the poor crossing was back. The long crossing that <laughs> you're just like, stop trying that. Well, I mean that's that's gotta be the default when you have, you know, a guy like Chicharito or, you know, a guy like Cabral where it's like, well, at least get them in the box and maybe create some chaos. You know, I, I think, you know, we've done a very good job of 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 mitigating a lot of the problems of last year, but I think I do think that, you know, again we're eight games into a rebuild guys. Like mm-hmm. I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, on the, on the, on the past, you know, couple of defeats, you know, the Seattle defeat, the Portland defeat, you know, I, I've, 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 I continue to stress like, you know, it's, it's a rebuild year guys. Like, I mean, this is not, you know, this isn't a year where, you know, kind of we all came into the season being like, yeah, MLS cup is, is the goal. Like MLS cup is doable this year. Like all of us were kind of like, I mean, if we make playoffs, that's a good thing, you know, like, Right, and I know it feels like we're settling, but but like you said, um, this this is not not just a rebuild, but you know, um, yeah, the galaxy becoming contenders again. Yeah, and I mean, you know, look, we're I mean, we're playing one of the best dynasties in MLS that MLS has ever seen in Seattle. Like, this is a measuring stick game for the galaxy right now. Maybe in a year or two, then it becomes kind of like a a game where it's like, okay, this actually you know, winning proves something. But I think, you know, these two games we've played against Seattle already are games where it's like, this is where we are relative to the rest of the world 
of you know like the top level MLS teams. All right, here's where we need to get better. And I think um, Steve Zakawani in his piece on MLS Soccer said, you know, like the Galaxy just need one or two more attacking pieces. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but I understand why he thinks that, which is to say that the Galaxy have struggled when Chicharito isn't on fire, that the Galaxy kind of look a little like, well, where do the goals come from? And that's why yeah. you bring in like a Cabral, a Grand Seer, you bring in Dunbar late in this game. is kind of like you, you hope one of them is like, all right, I'm taking the football and running with it. Um, which hasn't necessarily happened yet. I think that's, that is a bit of concern for this team moving forward is an over-reliance on number nines, um, which was my main criticism of the Galaxy through the Ibrahimovic era. Um, but, I mean, you know, I think there was moments in this game where I was, you know, 60% possession is not easy to, to maintain. I mean, you know, it, it did, you know, there was moments where I was like, yeah, like, okay, this makes sense. You know, did they probably need to be a little bit more efficient and go in terms of, taking opportunities, you know, um, you know, taking a couple more shots in front of goal, you know, only uh, two goal or two shots on goal um, for the galaxy, you know, one of them, a penalty, like, you know, two shots off target and two blocked. That's numbers where I'm kind of like, you you could have been a little bit more aggressive in the final third. Um, But, you know, the, the passing numbers look good to me. You know, they, it did, you know, there, there was, there was framework here, which I think is the, which, you know, is the story of the 2021 season is framework is like, what are we building? You know, six shots, two on target, you know, but you had, you know, 551 passes, 86, 88, or excuse me, 86.8 passing accuracy, you know, 60% possession. Those are, those are good metrics to work with. And now it's a question of, okay, you know, the big question of this game is, well, how do we get a little bit sharper in front of goal? You know, that's, that's an easy question to solve. And that's why, you know, you feel like this, this game should have been a draw um, because the Galaxy did control the game. I think, you know, in the 81st minute, you know, Grand Sierra's offside. And I think, it, you know, you, you watched earlier in the game. I can't remember who it was now. I think it was, um, um, maybe it was Kulavali. But anyways, it you know, the, one of the players decided to hang back and he, he realized that it was that it was offside. Um, Grand Seer, I, you know, obviously, you know, it's the 81st minute, you're going for it, but I think if you, if you slow down, you hold the ball, you, you pull back, so that way, if it's possible, obviously, um, you know, so that way you don't get that offside call, and then hopefully you, you get more of a chance. I mean, this is where maybe you, you pass it back for a second, um, you know, just to hold the ball. But again, the Galaxy really controlled it. Um, I didn't feel that they were relying on Bond to save them again he made five saves uh in this game so you know because that that was becoming a a quick concern as well as like oh well you know especially when we saw the lineup initially and you're thinking okay attack versus defense like you know the galaxy how how are they going to do this um i i'm glad that it didn't feel like they were saying okay well bond's just gonna save us you know what i mean yeah you know it it did feel a little bit more aware from the defense it, it did feel you know like you know i felt like the defense was a little bit more effective than it has been necessarily in in, in previous games and, and i understand i'm saying that after a 2-1 loss um you know i think you know julian araujo probably had one of his best games in the galaxy jersey he was you know incredibly incisive and attacking on that wing um via Fania, i think it's quietly proving why the galaxy went for him in the offseason i think that was a, a very smart acquisition um mm-hmm. Would have loved to have seen more from him, but yes. Yeah, but 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 he's he's starting to kind of show exactly what he brings to this team. Um, you know, obviously losing stairs in the eighth minute—that's 
rough because I think Stairs has been kind of a quarterback in that defense in a way that I don't think he gets enough credit for. Um, but I mean, mm-hmm. Koulibaly stepped in, stepped in very well in his first game, um, I think. Uh, but I, like, also, you know, let's give credit to Efron Alvarez in this game. I mean, Efron Alvarez was incredibly patient in possession. He was smart. He was, you know, maybe it's finally coming to him. Like maybe it's finally happening. Um, you know, I think there was just a lot of very good pieces and, 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 you know, yeah, it's a two one loss, right? Like, but you're starting to see, you're starting to see something, you know, you're, it's, it's starting to make a lot of sense. And I can't say that about a galaxy team for a long time. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I, it does feel like, you know, they're working towards something and, and full credit to Vanny on this one. I mean, you know, this is a team that, you know, has really enjoyed playing on the counterattack, you know, enjoyed playing on the break. And, you know, Vanny has figured out that, you know, between Grancier and Cabral and, and Chicharito and, you know, whoever's playing attacking mid on the day, Vasquez or, or, or Kleshton or, or Efrain, then the Galaxy work best moving fast. And instead he said, you know what, we're actually going to move a little slow today. And I mean, Seattle did look frustrated for long patches of this game where they just couldn't figure out how to get into the well, game. Well, yeah, I think that that's where all the the physicality came from because the Sounders were frustrated. And so what do they do when they get frustrated? Start pushing guys around, right? Yeah, like it, did, um, it did look like mm-hmm. Seattle just didn't figure out how to get into the game and it it bothered them um you know the fact that two of the goals came on on set pieces rather than necessarily from open play indicates to me that you know the galaxy were doing a lot of things right and you know the second goal i think is is less forgivable than the first i mean you can't get mm-hmm. undone by throwing you just can't i mean that's yeah that's rough um, that is rough and, and and you know the back hill to spring you know the back hill that bond saves that then Rui diaz is just on the doorstep i mean that's just Rui diaz's game that's always been his game that's what he's going to do um but, you know, I think, you know, it did look like the Galaxy for long periods in this game really frustrated Seattle and made it difficult them for, uh, excuse me, difficult for them to operate. Yeah, and, and there was just, uh, you know, a few more notes that I have. Look, uh, Koulibaly made his debut, meaning he hadn't played with this team. Let's give him some credit. Let's give him, uh, you know, a chance. Um, he's still figuring out where he fits and how he plays. Um you know, I, I liked what I saw. Um, of course, again, getting his footing, there was um, early in the game, I think, where he he had a little slip up and you're like, ah, uh, he almost he almost gave up the ball. But, you know, again, that's somebody figuring things out. Uh, LeJet had just returned from uh, the CONCACAF Nations League win, but also, like, not having played with this team um, on the regular. You know, he's been away. Um, kudos to... Araujo, you know, he was made, able to make it around defenders, make those runs, give that service. I was really impressed with him uh, this match. I, I hope we keep him a little longer, but like we keep saying, <laughs> you expect him to maybe go abroad, you know, um, if he keeps showing showing up like that. So, uh, again, you know, you learn from this one and you move and you move on. Uh, that's, that's that for me. Yeah, you know, I think this is one of those, one of those games where, you know, it's a loss, but it's a, it's one of those losses where you can pull a lot of good things out of this loss and say, all right, you know, I think, you know, when, when, when you lose a game, you want to have touchdowns that say, all right, but we're moving in the right direction. And it did feel like there was a lot of touchstones mm-hmm. in this game where I was like, okay, we're moving forward in a direction where it's like, I can see this team being a top five team in MLS in, you know, a year's time rather than in say 2020, 2019, 2018, when we lost, it would be like, I don't know, kind of thing. Like it does feel like there are 
specific touchstones where I'm saying they're being like, okay, this team is equipping itself to be amongst the elite teams in MLS in, you know, a year's time. And, and, and for me, like I thought when Vanny was hired, I was like, okay, this is going to be a four year project. Like, cause cut the fat, you know, have to bring in players, got to bet any young players, you know, that's a lot of movement in a, in, in that, and teams just react to that much movement negatively normally. Now I'm thinking, wow, they actually handled this incredibly well. Like, you know, I thought Grand Sear was incredible in this game when he came in. You know, I thought Cabral showed very well. Um, I'm very excited to see what Ravalosin can add to that midfield because, I, you know, I think I might have turned to you in like the 85th minute. I was like, well, man, what if Ravalosin had been in this game? You know, like, mm-hmm. What defensively does it look like? It looks a little bit better in the midfield, maybe a little bit more bite. And I think it's a draw, to be honest yeah, with you. Maybe a little bit more bite, maybe a little bit more tenacity. You know, I, I'm so excited to see Ravalosin and JDS and maybe a double pit mid- midfield. Um, because we're running it back to the Jonathan or uh, Juninho, uh, Marcelo Sarvas days. Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of reason to be positive outside of this defeat. Like I, I, I really do feel that. So Vancouver are on a four game losing streak, um, because of Canadian rules. Uh, they're playing in, uh, you know, Sandy, Utah at Rio Tinto stadium, uh, kickoff is 7:30 PM. And I mean, you know, the, you don't want to get outcoached by uh, Mark Dos Santos, so, so it'll be interesting to see how Vanny pairs up with that. I mean, obviously have all the faith in him. Um, you know, I think he needs to make subs sooner, honestly. Um, you know, with the pieces that he had, initially I was like WTF, but then when you start seeing it on how it's working on the pitch, I was like, okay, I can, I can get behind his decisions, um, you know, you know, Vancouver's going to go in with, with a plan and, uh, to move forward. And, you know, you, you can't hand over, you know, sloppy opportunities, um, you know, and have ugly, ugly turnovers that are going to put Vancouver, uh, in the game. You know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned Mark DeSantos and, and kind of his, his, you know, cerebral brilliance. I mean, there's a lot of reason to believe that while he was at LAFC, he was the reason why LAFC was so tactically gifted. Um, now it has not worked for him in Vancouver, as you said, the four game losing streak and, and, um, and, and the struggles they've had in front of net. I mean, their leading goal scorer Dahomey only has three goals. Um, and they have, you know, uh, Cavallini as well on that team. Um, so they, I mean, they have goal scorers. It's just, it's a question of, you know, it's almost the galaxy problem of, well, we have good goal scorers. How are we giving them opportunities? Um, so, I mean, this will be a bit of a chess match. I will say, you know, I think Vancouver for this four-game losing streak has not necessarily been the worst team in every one of those games. I think the game against RSL last week, they weren't bad. I mean, they were probably the better team for about 35 to 40 minutes of that game. Um, yeah, that second half. Yeah, I mean, they just fell apart in the 90th minute um, because they decided to, you know, kind of play bunker and counter, and, and that's not a team that can really do that effectively. You know, I, Baldissimo is, is the midfielder for me that I think is, is kind of the star of this team. Um, you know, this is, this is a game the galaxy can win easily, you know, defensively, as long as you know, they can, they can be solid, uh, which I think they, they decently were against Seattle, who I think has more attacking options. Um, you know, I, I think, I think this is winnable. I, I really do. You know, if, if they will get opportunities in a way that they didn't really necessarily against Seattle, I doubt they're going to try and pass them to death like they did against Seattle. Um, I think they, they 
you know, I, Vancouver doesn't score a lot of goals. Vancouver doesn't really impress me on the attack. Um, you know, defensively, they're a little bit kind of all over the place. Um, it's a bit like the Galaxy in 2018. Um, I think, you know, if the Galaxy can be effective in front of net, they, they will win this game. Um, but it's a question of, you know, getting Cabral opportunities. It's not, it's not necessarily a question of just getting Chicharito opportunities. It's about spreading the opportunities throughout this, this roster. Um, I, would be, I would be a bit surprised if they go out tactically the same way they did against Seattle, even though that was effective. I just think they can be a little bit more vertical um, against Vancouver and, and not have to risk it. I think Vanny was very, very reticent to be vertical against Seattle in a way that I can understand just simply because of the way that Seattle hits the half spaces. Um, so I think he can be a little bit more vertical, a little bit more direct. And I think that's going to favor Chicharito and Cabral and, and if Grancier starts or whoever starts on that wing and you know maybe even Cameron Dunbar wildly gets a start in this one. Um, yeah, I, I think this is this is a winnable game, and you. Know, I think they have two winnable games coming up in Vancouver and, and San Jose. I mean, obviously, San Jose is always trouble, though. Yeah, well, it's a rivalry game. They they don't make sense. Um, you know, obviously, two games on the road. MLS is horribly skewed towards home teams. Um, obviously, Vancouver isn't necessarily a home team, quote unquote. Yeah, in this. but the Galaxy are away. Um, yeah, I mean, theoretically, it's a, it's an away game for the Galaxy, but it's an away game for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I, I was seeing on Twitter actually, uh, kind of a kind of a cool thing um, is that the RSL fans are starting to embrace Vancouver as their other team, <laughs> which is kind of like that's that's kind of nice, you know. Honestly, you know, I, that's I, not with all the articles about them playing against RSL and RSL beating them. Look well, like. <laughs> ob- obviously, when they're playing RSL, it's a different story. But like some RSL fans are kind of saying like, oh, like it's our little brothers, like we we want we want to see you succeed, you know, because like. I mean, you have to imagine for these Vancouver players, it has to be so difficult, right? You know, you haven't seen your family. You haven't been home, you know, for, you know, what are we at? Like three, four months at this point? You know, that's just, that's got to be brutal. Um, so, you know, I don't know necessarily if Vancouver's mentally fully plugged in. Um, so this is definitely an opportunity for the Galaxy to kind of shake off the Seattle loss, get some positive momentum moving forward. Um, and, I, you know, I think they're entering a part of their schedule where there's there's some winnable games coming up in a way that that's... That's to me where, where we are at in this rebuild and this in this change of guard will be the tests. Is these winnable games? You know, Seattle's a measuring stick game where it's like, okay, this is where we're at. This is where we need to go. You know, a game against Vancouver, a game against San Jose, where they are currently, those are games where it's like, okay, these are games where you have to show us that you are moving forward in a positive manner. And I hope, and I think they can definitely do that over these next two games. Yeah, LA Galaxy, um, you know, slipped to fourth place. Uh, again, to me, this is a must-win game because I don't have as much confidence uh, going into the San Jose match just because San Jose is home and the Galaxy, you know, yes, it was the Sounders, but, you know, there are those calls for concern. Um, so I want to see the Galaxy dominate Vancouver. I want to see them win this. Um, I could see this being a draw as well just because... Um, yeah, MLS gonna MLS, and also because uh, I mean, we don't do predictions on this show. Go go to balls and beers and get your your picks in. Um, oh, is the link up? I got to do mine this the week. The link is up. Yeah, I know. I need to do it too. There's there's a lot of matches that that are on this one. So, um, but anyways, so yeah, I'm I'm in so far in the hole. I'm lo- I'm making us look bad. Um, but you know what? You were saying 
I need to stop. Well, not me specifically, but you were saying like, hey, the, the key is to, to bet low points. So hey, 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 we're we're, so no, 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 we're not, we're not giving out <laughs> strategies. This is, I'm keeping it <laughs> close to the chest. I want to win. I'm competitive. I know. I know. Christian, Christian is doing really well. I'm proud of him. Um, so yeah, again, we don't do predictions on this show. Um, you know, but I, I really want to see the Galaxy win this one and obviously beat San Jose. Like just, I'm just vindictive as well. Um, Vancouver beat us at the home opener before the pandemic. I'm like, beat them down now. And San Jose, you got to put them back in their place, man. Like they, ugh, like you're talking about like worrying about injuries after what I saw San Jose do to the Sounders and then for Williams to, to get suspended. I'm like, why didn't anybody get suspended from, from the earthquakes? You yeah, know, but I mean, but, the, but that's been the earth. I mean, obviously, we'll get to this game later in the week. Um, yeah, later in the week. It's a double week, people. Who's excited? Um, you know, I, I think this Vancouver game is going to be a lot less physical than the game against San Jose because San Jose just that's. I'll, I'll break it down both on the on the episode and 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 on the clipboard. But um, you know, just a, a quick kind of note on San Jose. I mean, just in a man marking system because you can't get beaten because then it opens up space. You have to foul every single opportunity you get in order to prevent that space from being exploited, and therefore that's why games against San Jose tend to be a little bit more physical than others. Um, you know, but I, I think Vancouver, this is a very good opportunity to get three points, kind of, you know, get the morale back up. Yeah, dust off the shoulders a little bit, and just be like, all right, yeah, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, so I, I, I think I think tomorrow night represents an opportunity that the Galaxy have to take. Thank. you. Thank you so much for listening. Please go to LAsRhouse.com to get your balls and bears picks in. And of course, to still order your copy of the magazine of the first issue. The second issue is in the works. Um, so thank you so much, listeners. We are back on Apple Podcasts. Let's go. Yeah, give us five stars. Give us a like. Give us a review. Only positive reviews. Otherwise, I will. if you give us negative reviews, I will hunt you down at the tailgate. And I don't know. I've the yeah just dm us your negative reviews yeah. like we'll work on things you know <laughs> we totally say. respond to everybody and everything and and feedback is welcome but yeah please on the apple pod like <laughs> five yeah. stars is always loved um <laughs> and you know obviously congratulations to you and la's our house for the amazing work on on the zine um the link is in la's our house bio i believe to order if you haven't ordered yet do it because it's amazing i have two copies currently in my house um so, yes, and we will have uh, physical copies available at the 4th of July game. So, uh, you know, just, just DM if you'd like us to pre-order you one, just so that we can put your name on it and get it to you. All right. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. We'll see you Friday.